TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. It's time for some chin music. Yeah. How about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Uh, don't take me to negative town. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? No. Um, I'm planning the no, positive uh, view. For no, you know what? Um, I like to... I like to stay day to day. I really do. Um, sometimes staying day to day when you lose two or three in a row, you know, it 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 it, it forces you to kind of look for things that are that that get you more optimistic. Um, so I'm not blind to those things. Uh, there's a hundred and whatever three, four, five games left. Uh, there's a lot of baseball to be played, um, and I don't look too much at those standings every once in a while I'll take a peek but I can almost bet that the the standings are they're not going to end the way they are today the clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score David Hall Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock we're playing a little chin music here that was Pedro Graffol on Friday as Bruce Levine led him down a path and Bruce is not the mayor of negative town Bruce I thought you lived in Pollyanna USA what was going on there I'm one of the uh, aldermen in a negative town, though. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I go to all the uh, meetings. And, uh, yeah, I, look, I, I find it interesting, uh, you know, especially for teams that are floundering like the White Sox have been, that we go in there, you know, me and, you know, seven, eight, nine other media people every day and ask, who's hurt? When is he coming back? Why is this guy not any good? Why isn't this guy pitching well? Okay, very, very little concentration on, gee, your team's doing so great. Um, you know, isn't it wonderful that so-and-so hit four home runs? So I had it always leads me to the thought process of a manager or coach players um, pushing the negative uh, process away from questions and staying positive in the, uh, in the uh, element. I, I had a conversation with Mark Leiter Jr., the other day, uh, one-on-one before a, a Cub game. And I asked him about the splitter and whether or not uh, that is going to be something he has to watch because it's so t- difficult on the elbow. And he said, hey, you're, 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 you're giving me negative thoughts and I, I don't appreciate it. Okay. He, he said, he said I, I've had surgery before. Um, you know, and was he I serious? just what was he? Yeah, kidding? he was. He was no, he was serious. He, he said, was upset because he, you mentioned something that had happened to him in the past. No, no, I didn't. Bringing... I, I wasn't. I wasn't alluding to the past. I was saying, are you concerned about throwing so many splitters? 
All right. Uh, you know, okay. and, and whether you need to protect your arm or not. And, and he got upset because of his history and having had surgery. And, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, I guess I should have phrased it differently. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, it's a, t- a tough pitch. And he said, you know, you're, you're p- planning negative thoughts. He said, I, I have a new elbow. Everything's good. Hopefully I got two, three more years left going. So I guess what he was telling me is do more homework. You know, I got injured before. You know, I threw splitters before. Don't come to me with uh, what, how are you going to change it now? At, it's at a bad this... answer. It's a bad answer. Well, and, I'm and... just saying, but, I, but I, I'm not... I'm not criticizing him. What I'm saying is myself and a lot of other people come to these people every day with negative things, okay? They have to be able to filter it out and get on with positive thoughts about how to get on with the rest of the day. And I think, you know, as a media person, I'm aware of it. And and I understand that some people don't even want to participate because they want to stay in their positive zone before they go out there and compete every day. That's their job, it's their livelihood. That's that's how they want to go about it. And I get it, you know. With your job every day too, it's like, you know, you don't want to have a conversation about buying a new uh, a new couch or new rugs with your wife before you go on the air at five in the morning. Okay. It's it's not the zone that you want to be in when you're talking to Molly about how bad or good the White Sox or the Cubs are. I would push back at that a little bit but let, let, let's stay with this idea of you, you have a new the, carpet that's what you're telling me <laughs> <laughs> you should see our rugs Bruce they're lovely on these hardwood floors um this, when you are the manager of of a major league baseball team especially in a city as passionate about sports as Chicago and you're in this market you have to anticipate that there's going to be you can call them negative questions. I prefer ob- objective ones. I, I, th- see, I think that there's – if it sounds like you're, it's a matter of semantics, it is. Words matter. And I think that when you are the manager of the Cubs or David Ross – or I'm sorry, David Ross with the Cubs, Pedro Gafford with the White Sox, there's an expectation or should be. You definitely have to be aware that that comes with the territory. You're going to go in there, and even though you might be in a five-game – winning streak you've raised expectations so we're going to ask you about the bullpen piece that doesn't quite fit that's objectivity you're you're holding people accountable there's a different role for the media that cover the team and expectation and the people obviously who are on that team and i think that what's happened over the years especially recently because of the way that the erosion of local media coverage and media coverage in general just because of the economics there have been more there's been more of a positive expectation from teams because there's more controlling of those messages. So when you ask a fair question and you ask Pedro Grafold that question, he thinks that it's negative. It's not. It's not. So many things that are interpreted as negative reactions are just opinions or just objective questions to, to get information that used to be accepted that they no longer are. And that's that's sad because I don't think the fans are getting. They're not they're not getting the kind of coverage, they're not getting the kind of uh, uh, I, I, content that they used to get. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think that's where it starts. Yeah, I'll give you a great example of that as far as what happens. Well, the Angels are in town, right? Yeah, they have the arguably the 
biggest star in baseball without question and one of the biggest in the world in Shohei Atani, right? So uh, I'm waiting at his locker, and all of a sudden, uh, a media relations woman comes up to me and said, uh, can I help you? I said, not really. I'm just waiting to talk to Mr. Tani and his interpreter. And she goes, well, there won't be any interview. And I said, well, what do you mean there won't be any interview? She said, oh, Mr. Tani doesn't do any interviews. And I went, wait a minute. I said, you have a guy that's going to end up making six or seven hundred million dollars and the biggest contract in baseball he's the biggest star since babe ruth pitching and hitting and you're telling me that no media people can talk to shoei atani and and she's to me yeah that's right as a matter of fact the local media only gets to talk to him after he pitches and i said you gotta be blanking me as hawk would always say I said, you you got to be kidding me. This is a major issue for Major League Baseball. And it's and it's in the same as what you were talking about, David. It's our job to try to get that information out there to people, not to sell the game uh, for us, but to sell the game for the fans. And Major League Baseball has got to step up and do something about this. This is just an unbelievable situation. I'm sure you're shocked to hear that the biggest player in the sport never talks and never has anything to offer for the fans of the Angels and the, the fans of Well, baseball. I think it's related. It's related to what we talked about controlling the message, and I think it goes to the heart of the matter we're talking about in terms of managers being criticized and their ability to handle that. And I, and I just wonder, from your perspective, you know, we're seeing it more uh, on, the, on the north side, too, with David Ross, who has had – uh, you know, he, he's going, he had a career in Chicago as a backup catcher with the Cubs on a, on a legendary team that gave him a status that, that created a celebrity that, frankly, I think he enjoyed. And he was given the benefit of the doubt because he was Grandpa Rossi. Well, some of that luster's wearing off, Bruce, and now the criticism is becoming more direct and maybe more consistent and certainly appropriate because of the nature of the job. In terms of the criticism leveled at David Ross in terms of the way that Pedro Grafol has handled the criticism and scrutiny in his short tenure as a first-time head manager of the White Sox. In your experience, how is each guy doing? Well, I think really well. I, I mean, uh, I, I like you know Grafol in terms of handling in, in terms of handling the criticism, though. Yeah, I think so. I really do. I, I think Ross addressed it last week a couple of times in his pregames. Uh, sessions with us talking about, hey, uh, you know, this is just the nature of the game. You know, if the team isn't playing up to its standard, you have to come and ask me about it. That's my job. I'll take the blame. said, I, you know, I will take the blame for the team not playing well because uh, that that's a manager's job is to just stand up and be there when the team isn't playing right. With Grafal, this is uncharted territory. A guy that's been in the game for 30 years, first manager's job. And you look at him and some of the standing up and uh, <clears throat> pushing back to the media, I think that you're alluding to, David. Am I not right? Yeah, he does that a little bit. Yeah. I think little, that's just being unpolished. a good baseball I, I think that's just being a good baseball guy. Good. Having to stay strong for his team. He's, he's been honest about the fact that the team isn't good, that the team has to be better. As far as whether or not I like the way he answers it and whether uh, he's friendly enough or 
um, my type of answers. I, I push that aside and say, is he at, is he asked and is he answering the questions that we're asking him? That's the only thing I look at. How closely do you connect the way that managers handle the criticism, pushback, or the way that they are, you know, these questions may be framed in, in the eyes of managers and players maybe as negative questions? How much does that affect the way the fans internalize or consume what's going on? Do you think that fans uh, are, are as plugged into that? Do you think fans want you asking those kinds of questions, want us asking these kinds of questions, or has that changed as well? Oh, I think it's fans want us to ask more questions than ever now. Okay, I think they they with the social media uh, fans and people who uh, watch sports and entertainment, they want to know more now than ever. They feel they're entitled to it. And uh, and that's the world that we live in. Okay, we can't give them enough inside stuff. We can't give them enough uh closeness to what a person's like uh my only re you know problem with social media is you know the negative usually outweighs the positive you know a lot you think people don't like <laughs> people don't like to talk about hey isn't this great you know it's just like people are more concerned about getting their anxiety out on social media uh and and you know getting their frustrations out which is fine but i mean I don't think everybody wants to listen to it. Nonetheless, demand is there. We have to fulfill that demand. That's our job. When Mitch Rosen hired me uh, back in uh, 10 years ago, he said, well, um, yeah, exactly. Well, that was the first time he hired me. He was at a different place at that time. <laughs> he said to me, uh, I like where your uh, Twitter account's at, okay? I think we're going to double it and triple it. Actually, you know, they tripled the amount since I've gone to the score from ESPN in uh, 2013. Uh, <clears throat> people who hire you pay attention to whether you're paying attention to where the fans at and what their opinion is. That's the bottom line. Within the last five minutes, Bruce, I was just called the Sox hater on my Twitter feed. So I, I, I take uh, into you're exactly right. Well, why do, why do you hate the White Sox, David? <laughs> Look, I, I think that it's it's interesting to me, and, and I know you focus on baseball, but I, I look at the other sports, and I I do try to compare and contrast. And I wonder how if if baseball players tend to be a little bit more sensitive to some of these kinds of yeah, questions. Yeah, I think they are. I think they are too. Because are. look, let, you know why? Just a couple weeks. Why? Because there's a hundred and sixty-two actually 200 times a year, actually more than that with spring training um, availability before games start, where you're standing in their face waiting to get a story from, from them, okay? You're, you are pushing the narrative. You are getting the information you can. You Could are be. watching everything that's happening. Could uh, be. It's just, you know, the other sports are, are half of that, okay? Half. And the, the limitation in time. Uh, where you're around them. In baseball, even though we're more limited than we were 10 years ago. It's a mindset, the, though, Bruce. Bargaining, it's, it's, does that mean that because I, I work I with you every week people. that I have to – there's going to be one Saturday where I can afford to be rude to you and the other Saturdays I – mean, look, it's, it's how do you no, treat No, you're rude people? to me every Saturday. It's, well, okay, yeah. I'm consistent. 
I'm consistent. That's what you're looking for. It's consistency. I, I was going to make. The I'm telling you, uh, we're, we're limited to an hour in a locker room. That's more than any other sport, every day. Then when they're on the field, we get to talk to them as they're coming off the field. We get to talk to coaches and managers, scouts, front office people as batting practice is going on. There we are consistently in their face in baseball and the other sports, especially uh, covering the Chicago Bears. You're limited to about 10 seconds a week. Okay. So the Bears that, asked Charles Tillman. Like. You, br- you brought up the Bears, Bruce. You like to talk football. They asked Charles Tillman to address the rookie class recently. And one of his, among his advice to them was run to criticism. Run to criticism. Seek out your biggest critic. You know, face that kind of adversity and then deal with it. Confront it. And don't shy away from it. And you know what? That's the way he was as a player with to, to cover. He was combative, tr- tremendous player on the field, but off of it, he could be combative. He would go at you. He would challenge you. And it was great because that's, that's accountability. And I don't see that as consistent. I don't see that as often. And that's when you mentioned the Mark Leiter Jr. Ex- example, and it's only an example, mm-hmm. I do think that that's not an example of a guy that's that's running to criticism. It's a guy who's shying away from no, it, I, that is afraid I, I, of any kind of you there. negativity. I'll, I'll correct you there. He's he's probably the most honest guy in that, and he's he's one of the more interesting guys in that clubhouse. In this sense, I hit a very emotional uh, area for him, where I just went beyond where he was comfortable saying, "You know what, dude." I lost an elbow throwing this pitch. I got a new elbow. Pay attention to what happened to me. And don't ask me if I worry about whether I'm going to get hurt again. Okay? That was his opinion. I I appreciated the fact that he was in my face telling me, hey, this isn't what I want to talk about. Everything else I've ever talked about, Mark Leiter Jr., is he's got a great opinion. I hope we have him as a guest really soon because he is a really interesting guy. Book him, Bruce. I, I just think, though, uh, that, and, and I don't want to pick on him, because, but he was the example you cited. I do think you see examples yeah. also manifest themselves, that mentality, of, of and, and I do think it's somewhat se- the, the sensitivity, the heightened sensitivity you see, it comes out on the field. Let's, let's look at Lance Lynn. Oh, boy, my infield can't catch a ground ball. I'm going to let everybody know it's not my fault. I'm a palms-up guy. Don't be that guy. Ozzie Guillen was right. You can't be that guy. You cannot be that guy. And I think a lot of times you see the sensitive players take that into those, those situations and they don't handle it. Uh, David, did that affect Zambrano's popularity? It limited it probably limited it, yes. It probably I mean, with did, his teammates, Bruce. probably, yeah. But there yes. was an intimidation level. There was an intimidation level by Zambrano of if you make an error behind me, I'm gonna stare you down. I might I might even it might even get physical. You know, it might even, and it did on occasion. You know, you think about the Michael Barrett situation. People on his team, teammates on his team were afraid of him, okay? 6'6", 280 pounds, threw with both hands, punched with both hands. This was, and he was a beautiful, wonderful guy when he wasn't pitching. But when he was pitching, look out. Him, you know, I can think of, uh, you know, uh, Lackey as another guy just like that. Oh gosh, you know, it's yeah. like I mean you're you're gonna get you're gonna get in people's faces if you're not doing your job when you're playing with them. That's it. Okay, 
not publicly not showing up teammates. You just don't do that. I can't. You're not. It does, you're, not it, defending, it, it happened, you're not defending Lance Lynn's ability to, to show up as teammates, are you? Are you? Are you I, I'm. I'm giving you other examples of John Lackey. I'm giving you examples of Carlos Zambrano. Uh, it's not something it, Lance Lynn just invented. I didn't say he invented it, but I don't think he should be yeah. re- be repeating it. it, it no, I, I agree with you. you. Uh, and the the premise is bad. You know, it's bad. It's like your your teammates are trying to to win for you. If you don't think they're trying to win for you, you know, then you're not you're not understanding the team element. You can talk to them at some other time, but showing them up during a game is probably not the ideal situation. I don't like it. Uh, I remember Dusty Baker sh- chasing Zambrano down after he showed up. Uh, I think one of the uh, outfielders on his team for not making play. It was Mert, uh, Matt Merton uh, back in the day. And he chased him down, and he went down uh, to the clubhouse. He said, dude, that's not going to happen again <coughs> on my team. You can't do it. And uh, so I'm with you. I don't like it. But I'm telling you, David, it takes all kinds, and we see all kinds. I, we do that. I just do you think that Pedro Grafal, let's 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 close the segment the way we began it. Do you think that after the Lance Lynn incident, when he you know threw up his hands with Mancata booted the ground ball and everyone saw it and Ozzy said what he said, do you think that Pedro Grafal addressed that privately with Lance Lynn? Should he have? I, I would say a hundred percent he did. Did anybody ask <laughs> and him? And it was about probably that? a very it was probably a, a conversation like Really, I really love your competitive nature. I re- you're one of the best pitchers of the last uh, 15 years, but that's not a part of what Chicago White Sox baseball should be. Okay, I, I guarantee you that he's he's that type of manager. Okay, did Will was he, he ever asked if, was he asked about, about that? Do you know Bruce? Was Pedro Gafol? No, asked but I think asked? it's a question. I, it's it's a question I got to ask. Oh sure, but did did anybody? Ask Pedro Gafol if he addressed I'm, it with I'm, Lance Lynn. I'm, una- I'm unaware of it. I wasn't, I wasn't there every day when after it well, happened, so I can't. That's tell another you segment. We could get to that. that. We should, we should get a reporter on here. Oh, hey, hey, we we have a reporter coming on here. Gordon Wittenmeyer. he's the guy. <laughs> as we said earlier in the program, has been a friend of the show, a friend of the station, formerly of the Sun Times and NBC Sports Chicago. He's moving on, and we're going to talk to him about that next, as well as. Give him a chance to assess the Cubs on his way out of town. It's inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Club. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. As Wonka deals, here's the 1-1. Swanson swings, drills one, deep left field. Soto looks up, it's gone! A line drive to straight left that leaves the yard. And the Cubs fans here in San Diego making noise. It's two to nothing Cubs. 
on a solo shot by Dansby Swanson, number six on the year for Swanson. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Thank you to, to 670 The Score and the great Zach Zabin for that highlight of Dansby Swanson's home run. Uh, big in the Cubs' 2-2-1 victory over the San Diego Padres. Time now to go out to our Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. That is where we find good friend of the station, former Chicago sports writer, Gordon Wittenmeyer on his way to a new challenge, on his way to a new city. Gordon, welcome to the program. Let's start there. Congratulations on your next move. What is it? Uh, thank you. On the way up in the standings as well. Uh, <laughs> heading to, uh, uh, I'm heading to Cincinnati to uh, cover the Reds for the Inquirer. And uh, I'll still keep my uh, keep one what kind of in this market um i've got a couple other things uh still going on around here so you know you guys ain't gonna get totally rid of me just yet that's great damn it (laughs) (laughs) gordon uh welcome to the show um just want to say it's been uh so much fun interesting great drama sometimes uh you know not getting along with you, sometimes getting along with you, always respecting your opinion and your passion for the game. That's going to be missed around here. The fact that uh, you're so passionate about what you do with your job. You're so inquisitive. You, you try to get into every story and make it more interesting for the reader, the listener, or the watcher. So from that perspective, uh, I'm, I'm going to miss having you around. What are you going to miss most about uh, not covering Chicago sports? Well, besides missing you, Bruce, um, <laughs> and we've, yeah, we, you alluded to it. We've had our moments, but I, but I agree. You know, uh, I, I like to think we carved out a, a pretty good uh, relationship over the years and mutual respect, man. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, the thing, when I first got to Chicago, I had already covered three other teams in, in Seattle, Anaheim, and, and Minnesota, totally unlike this market. Obviously, and I remember my first year was Lou Pinellas' first year, and I remember at one point, maybe a couple of weeks into that season, uh, he and I had a, a moment where nobody else was around, and we just kind of looked at each other, and he says, "This is a little bit different, isn't it?" <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "Yeah, it's not, not not like anything I've seen, um, and, and, but it's uh, but it what a challenge. I mean, uh, there are." Very few markets in the country where the fans care as much, whether, you know, whether they're, they care enough to come at you with venom on Twitter or, or whether they, they care enough to, to think you're being soft on the team or, or, or whatever the case is, they do care. And uh, I think uh, my takeaway from that is that helped me raise my game. You know, the, the ones that want to come after me on Twitter, you know, F you, right. you know, I got, I got, uh, you know, uh, uh, I I think there's a part of me that kind of uh, was made for a market like that too, because I'm as big an ass as, as some of them are. So it, it, there was a level at which it, it kind of worked that way too. Well, this will sound odd, uh, Gordon, but th- that's kind of the first thing I noticed about you, and th- not that you were uh, that guy, <laughs> but 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 that you weren't afraid to be that guy, and and I. 
really enjoyed, and I think I can say that now in retrospect, but c competing against you when you were at the Sun-Times and, and I was at the Tribune and then later working with you uh, here at the score and uh, over NBC Sports Chicago. But I, but I think this is an extension of what we were talking about earlier in the previous segment about you know the role of media and, and questioning managers and, and approaching players. Given the fact that you've done this job in your own way, and I think in a very unique way, the right way in my view, how would you describe the role of somebody who covers a team like you're going to Cincinnati to cover the Reds, like you have covered the Cubs? Your, your job, number one, is to be a truth teller. And not everybody wants to hear it. And not everybody wants to answer the question that tries to get at it. So that's the hard part about the job oftentimes. And, but that's the job. That's what makes it a job. You know, if, if you're there because, no, I like baseball, I get to cover baseball, well, then you're in the wrong business. You know, get, go buy a ticket. You know, but you, anybody can do that, too. Anybody can show up, especially nowadays. Uh, you know, Bruce, you, I know you've been around long enough that you covered the 27 Yankees when they uh, were around the south side and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, back in the day when I started covering baseball, like the manager didn't have a time when he talked. If you had a story you were working on, you went and found him and you asked him a question. Um, nowadays, young young people come up, and I'm not I'm not. This is there are a lot of great young writers in the game, so I'm not. This is not a generational yelling at the clouds thing, but this is um, a whole generation plus has been raised on what time does the manager talk, and you can just show up, you you know, and, and we've seen it happen too, where people who you know, it's so easy now. The access is so kind of uh, scripted that you don't have to have any kind of training or anything. You can just send an intern and say, just go where the writers go. Just go when the manager talks and just tell me, write me something up that he says. That's not how you do the job. And, and the fact that you can do that now speaks to that point. Anybody can do that. And if you want to do the job the right way, have a, have a plan. Have a backup plan. Know what you see. Have some sense of what the answer to your question might be before you ask it so that you know whether somebody's blowing smoke up your ass. And, and then hold them accountable when you do have the facts to do that. That's the job. That's what makes it hard. Also what makes it satisfying when you're able to find out some things and and let people know what's going on. You're there for the readers who can't ask those questions and find those things out. you got to remember that. Gordon Widmeyer of the Cincinnati Inquirer joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. And Gordon has just done a sensational job as a beat reporter here, as a television person. Yes, you were a television person, and you will continue probably being a multimedia guy down the road. Gordon, I, I had, had to watch me, <laughs> or, or for the cameraman you, uh, that you uh, had uh, wrestling matches with over the years, uh, uh, <laughs> which was which was fun to watch. Hey, uh, Gordon, I was talking to David about this earlier, and I, I got to get your take on it. We have the biggest star in the game in Shohei Atani. Okay, I went to talk to him yeah. in his locker three days ago. And uh, I was told he doesn't do interviews and he never does interviews until unless yeah. he pitches and talks to the local guys after the game. How fractured is a sport where the top player in the game is not available to talk to the media? 
I'm with you, Bruce. I, I had the same experience last season, and I wrote about it. And I got killed on media because people didn't see the nuance in what I was talking about. I hear what you're asking, and, and, it's, and it's the same question I had. I wrote about how the commissioner's office cannot like this. And, in fact, I was told they don't like this. Um, the fact that he gets away with it might say something about uh, the media that follows him um, because I don't know how you can cover a team and watch that happen and just be okay with it. Um, It's probably the same as you uh, in this recent experience, but one day last year I went in. uh, They were on the south side. Um, I was there to to find Mike Trout, and I did find Mike Trout and talk to him, but there was Shohei just sitting there, and I just wanted to ask him a couple of things about Suzuki. Really easy. And nobody was – I mean, he was just sitting at his locker doing apparently nothing, and so – certainly would have had the time. I just went over and tried to talk to him and, and his, uh, I think his, uh, interpreter was right there, but then I immediately like the, the two or three writers uh, that were traveling with the team wandered over what was going on. And, the and the, uh, media relations person came over and uh, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, talk before. He doesn't talk before games, like, like ever, like to the beat people. Um, it's not that hard. I mean, it's got to be, especially for a guy that good, a guy that great for the game. What kind of, how hard can the questions be? Um, and, and if he does it sometimes, then it won't be such a big deal when they do it, you know, for, for some kind of scheduled thing. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't think it's great for the game. Uh, and I think when you talk about the broader issues of marketing the game, he's such a wonderful, wonderful part of what's good about baseball. That just hearing him say some stuff, when, and he seems to have a great personality too, to hear it come out can only help grow the game. So I'm with you, Bruce. Gordon, before we let you go, you covered the Cubs through the golden age and were there when they won it all. And, now you have seen the purge and the rebuild and where they're headed ne- next. Do you believe that they are on the right path to sustaining success yet again? I don't think there's any way to tell that at this point. They spent $300 million in the offseason last year because their roster had that many holes in it. The $300 million made it a functional big league roster, not much more than that. That's what we're seeing. So – you know, Cody Bellinger is going to be gone. We don't know what Stroman's future is. We don't know if they're going to be bona fide sellers at the deadline yet or not at this point. I think what we've seen these last, this since the Rays series, is who this team is. Like when when they're at their best, they pitch and they win low scoring games. That's the recipe for this team because the lineup's inconsistent. I know they've got big numbers overall, but. But they're terrible in the clutch, and on paper they're 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 kind of built to be maybe a little less consistent. Now Cody Bellinger's influence, because he came on as a left-handed slug guy in the middle of the lineup uh, and performed, raised all the boats in that lineup. Um, that was a big part of it. Um, but but you know, just on paper in general, the lineup's not quite there yet. Starting pitching should be has been. Bullpen, we see, we see they've got problems. So it depends on what's next. When you tear this stuff down and tank, 
the tearing down is the easy part. It's the lazy part. And for a big market team to be doing that twice in a decade, it's the egregious part. But uh, going forward now is the tough part. They've got a shortstop in place. Love the second baseman, too. That middle infield is really nice. I don't know what they're going to do with the outfield long term. We know that the two corner guys are there. Uh, catching is an issue that they're going to have to address. Maybe Amaya is an answer there at some point. Maybe Mervis at one of the corners. You know, so these are the things, that, and as they continue to build a pitching staff. But whatever their next step is this offseason, in my mind, is the big one. Because if they don't get that right to take a significant step forward next year to at least be competitive, then you got to start looking at the people in charge and hold them accountable. Gordon, uh the ancient Greeks always uh, asked the question when a man passed or a woman passed, did they have passion? You brought it and you brought tons of it, my friend. Thank you for bringing it to Chicago and uh, don't be a stranger. We really appreciate you joining us today. And uh, thanks for raising the level of coverage here and making me and other people work harder to make sure we got the story for the people out there. Me too, Gordon. Best of luck. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Gordon Wittenmeyer, the new Reds beat writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer, formerly of the Chicago Sun-Times and NBC Sports Chicago. He'll we, be missed, uh, Bruce. He, he we, will fought, be missed. we fought like crazy uh, when he first came here. He was establishing himself. He was taking no prisoners. Same. And, uh, yep. you know, it was just yeah, like, <laughs> okay, man, you know, I'm I'm – I'm the wrong guy. I'm not backing down. I know you're not backing down. And eventually we got to a point of appreciating each other. And, and it was, uh, it was, a, it was a good day. Uh, well said, one well put. Yeah. And, and the one thing about him as good as, uh, of a reporter as he is and is known for, he's an excellent writer and a very gifted wordsmith as well. So that was Gord Whitmire moving on to Cincinnati. Bruce, we heard from a former Cubs player on the south side yesterday. Had some interesting things to say. Javi Baez, we'll talk about it next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. It's, it's a question about the end of my career, if I'm going to live here or not, you know, in this city, or, or maybe buy something. It's, I don't know what's going to happen, but, um, you know, we got – great memories here um you know we 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 win here so um you know i know i know how special it is for the fans and and you know for for us in in that moment so um it's, it's something that is it's always going to be part of part of me welcome back to inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio six seven the score david hall bruce levine final segment you recognize that voice chicago yeah it's javi baez in a Tiger uniform, getting used to seeing him look that way. On the south side, talking before Friday night's loss to the White Sox, Bruce. Never going to have anything but fond memories of Javi Baez, and I think that he certainly understands his place in Cubs history and maybe the city's history. And it was good to hear him sound in a good place. Now, he didn't like you know, maybe some of the things that have gone on this year. He's not had the greatest start to the season, um, but um, – Javi smiling is a familiar sight. It's it got benched. That's never yeah. good. But he did sound like he was getting used to things in Detroit. What did you think? You were there. Well, my thoughts are is that uh, <clears throat> there's some regret for him, uh, maybe for Bryant, uh, 
maybe not for Rizzo, but a little bit. Uh, the fact that they all turned down contracts that were more or equal to what they eventually signed for. And I, I don't think, other than Rizzo, to be honest, there is any regret for the Cubs uh, and the moves they made. I think Jed Hoyer did a, a fantastic job of getting good players back and maybe doing the most difficult thing a general manager has had to do in decades here, dismantle a championship team all at once and uh, see how it plays out. Uh, <clears throat> to his credit, it's worked the Cubs' way. There's a lot of young players that have come in trades for them, and the players other than Rizzo in uh, New York really haven't worked out. The biggest mistake that the Cubs made was uh, non-tendering Schwarber. That was a, that was a monumental, huge mistake. But wouldn't they have then. traded but him too? He, wouldn't they have traded him too? Yeah, yeah, they would have, but they got nothing for him. My, right. That's my that, point. That's the, true. The, the that, idea, that's true. Yeah. The, the idea here is that Hoyer did a great job with this and that the players probably have regrets thinking, well, you know what, maybe we thought we deserved more and it was, the grass is greener somewhere else. It ain't so green. Some of that green is painted on the grass other places. Uh, <laughs> Chicago's a great well, place to play. And you know, uh, I, think, I think Baez, one of those guys. Yeah, he, he definitely represents that. And, and I still think I'm always going to be baffled at what went on and why Chris Bryant's career took the turn that it did. That, that's one of baseball's greatest mysteries. The injuries, the ineffectiveness, and the power – now, now the power is gone, and, and he's injured again on the on the list with with uh, Colorado, and so it's a point well taken. And at the time, it was very difficult to watch, but you're exactly right. You take remove emotion from it, and Jed Hoyer did what he needed to do and did it quite well. And you're going to be enjoying, enjoying the benefits of that in theory for years to come. I, I can't imagine a harder job than trading those superstars from a championship right. team, right? All in like. Like a few days? I mean, it's just like, it, it's an incredibly hard thing to do. It was the right thing to do, uh, especially because the organization and Mr. Ricketts offered all these guys bigger contracts than they signed for. And, you know, again, uh, uh, these players, to me, they'll always be heroes for people in Chicago. I love them individually as guys. They were terrific to me and uh, was able to help me be able to do a good job of reporting what they did but um man i mean it's just like you got to be regretful for uh for some of the things that you know you turned down in the past quick thought bruce because we have to close up here soon but how does that relate to what's going to happen with marcus stroman jed hoyer's history with you know making decisions at the deadline because of what the future pretends what do you think will happen with marcus stroman extension or trade piece? Well, he's got to opt out. If he's healthy and he has a good year, he's got to opt out. That's his right. He should do it. That doesn't prevent him from, uh, from two things, from the Cubs offering him a bigger contract before that happens and from him coming back to the Cubs even if uh, he does go back to free agency. Okay, It doesn't preclude that from happening. Uh, and th then you find out, well, if it's the money or – his love for the city, or can you, you get both? That's what we're going to find out here, all right? But, uh, again, I'd like to see him make 30 healthy starts, you know, 
have an ERA under three and say, hey, Chicago Cubs, it's up to you. You want me to continue here? It's going to cost you $30 million a year for the next five years. You know, are you willing to pay it? Stroman will be on the mound for the Cubs on Sunday against the Padres. Tonight, Drew Smiley goes 8.35 pregame on the Xfinity Cubs radio network, 9.10 first pitch. Cubs and Padres today during the day on the south side at Guaranteed Rate Field. The White Sox and the Tigers with Dylan Cease back on the mound today. Bruce, we've got to get out of here. We've got Steve Rosenblum next. But we have had a very fun show. Great to talk to our guests. We have a lot of people to thank. Uh, Gordon Whitmire, uh, again, uh, bringing up a level here of reporting for many years. Here is a uh, reporter. We thank him for coming on. Ken Hawk Harrelson uh, firing out and talking about uh, the White Sox and kind of apologizing to Jerry Reinsdorf for a misinterpretation on our show. Uh, Sean Sears, great job producing. David, thank you so much. People, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com. Cannot wait to hear you guys during the week, Monday through Friday, and see you next Saturday, David. Thank you, Bruce. People can follow me at Twitter, at David Haw as well, and you can say whatever you want to me. Just don't use profanity. I'll block you then. I won't block you if you disagree with me, and I am not a Sox hater either, whoever said that. This has been a lot of fun, Bruce. Great dialogue, great discussion. We will be on Mullen Hot on Monday morning and back next week on Inside the Clubhouse next Saturday. Thanks for listening, texting, calling, and everything you contributed in the audience. This has been Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, Chicago Sports Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 